0: Log Talk Radio.
1: what happened tonight. I just couldn't get on. And we tried to directly get on and then we got disconnected there too. So
0: we apologize
1: for being a little late tonight. Um of course we're going to uh, tonight our show is dealing with uh union issues. Yes, yes, yes. I got a second. And I am going to talk about those things in just one second here. As soon as we get our Every day. yeah. you go. Okay. Oddly enough, uh, female CEOs completely disappear from the list of those rated highest by their employees. That's what I, I thought that was an interesting article. Because uh you know this is by their employees, not by you know, others. Last year, when Glassdoor released its annual rankings of employees' highest-created CEOs based on their feedback during the year, just two women appeared among the top 50, actually 51 uh, due to an error, with one Yahoo's Ms. Ms. Marissa Mayer nearly dead last. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> this year, however, women have completely disappeared among the 50. CEOs that garner the highest praise for their employees, the faces are all male. There are, of course, a few female CEOs who might end up on the list to begin with. Among companies in the S&P 500 index, just 23 or 4.6 percent have a woman in the top position. Those ranks are are likely to swell and aren't likely to swell anytime soon, Women make up at least 25% of executive and senior officers as these companies and those that are in the highest ranks are stuck in jobs unlikely to lead to the corner office. But even women who do make it into leadership have to deal with the fact that Americans still like to see a man in charge, and both men and women say they prefer men as the senior executives of uh, Fortune 500 companies. When asked ask more Americans to say they prefer to work for a man than a woman. Well, women also face a backlash when they try to ask like act like bosses. They are penalized at work both personally and financially when they act assertively. And female leaders are more likely to be called abrasive, aggressive, strident, and emotional. And women are also more likely than men to get negative feedback on their work performance. All right. Well, women CEOs they come in set. For to Up to fail, A number of studies have found that they get a shot at leadership during tough times while men are likely to give, be given the jobs when companies' performance is stable. That's likely part of why women are more likely than men to be pushed out of their executive jobs. Mm-hmm. that's interesting, huh you
0: only get it during the tough times,
1: yeah, They're like General Motors,
0: and they can kick you
1: out, yeah job. saying you're not a
0: performer. Yeah.
1: These are the highest paid female CEOs in Massachusetts. The glass
0: ceiling still exists for many women.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The glass ceiling still exists for many women in Massachusetts, a recent report by the Boston Globe that compared the salaries of the state's 10 highest-paid CEOs to the average salaries of their workers only included one woman. But that woman, Carol Mayerwitz, of discount retail chain TGX, makes more than 1,000 times the salary of her average cashier. The biggest difference between... CEO, and an employee pay in the state. Although they are far outnumbered by men, there are other women in Massachusetts who have climbed to the top of their respective companies. Here are the salaries and compensations according to the AFL-CIO Executive Pay Watch 2014. The highest female... Is Mary Puma, President and CEO of Excellus Technologies Incorporated in Beverly, at Beverly, Mass. Salary 2014, $492,885. Total compensation $781,868. She's number one. The next one is Adeline. Hugh Perkins, president and CEO of Infinity Pharmaceuticals Incorporated in Cambridge. Salary, $568,500. Total compensation per package is $2,024,850. I guess she's doing all right. Number three, Linda Zecker, CEO of Putin Mifflin Heracourt Company in Boston. Salary... Nine hundred and thirty two thousand seven hundred and twelve dollars. Her total compensation package for twenty fourteen was two million million twenty four thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars. Number four, Sheila Lirio Marcello, president and CEO of Care and Care.com Inc. in Waltham now. Salary three hundred and fifty three thousand nine hundred and twenty three dollars. For total compensation package for 2014, two million four hundred sixty-eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-four dollars. Number five, Gail F. Goodman, President and CEO of Constant Contact Incorporated in Waltham, salary four hundred and seventy-five thousand. Total compensation four million seven hundred nineteen thousand two hundred sixty-two dollars in 2014. Go ahead, that's up. Number seven, Michelle Dipp, MD, PhD, CEO of Ova Science, Incorporated in Cambridge. Salary, zero. Total compensation, $5,629,030. And number eight, Carol Mary Rowitz, CEO of TJX Companies in Farmington, Salary $1,575,002. Total compensation 2015, $28,692,391. Wow.
1: TJX,
0: isn't that TJ Maxx? Yep. TJ Maxx. Yep. That would be TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods. Oh. The three stores. It's
1: the TJX Corporation. I guess so. I really well. So anyway.
0: Kind
1: of scary. Yeah, Fox News declared hate group by Southern Poverty Law Center. Huh. Interesting, huh?
0: Huh. Yeah. That's really
1: bizarre. But let's
0: see. In what should come as a surprise to no one considering their coverage of unarmed black people being brutalized by police, the Southern Poverty Law Center has added Fox News to the list of hate groups as they meet the criteria. Time and time again, Fox News has shown their two colors with their own colorful language surrounding people of color in the LGBT community. From calling any black person who stands up in protest against police thugs, to thinking black people will shank offices, to glossing over a white biker gang that actually killed nine people, to thinking gay people are persecuting Christians with their audacity to think they too can and should be able to file for taxes under marriage. Their hatred was tolerated for a long time as freedom of expression, which they are free to do. However, the time has come to no longer ignore their obvious bigotry broadcast to millions of like-minded folks and label them what they are, a hate group. Anyone with a Twitter account can see the hate that's fused from the likes of Sean Hannity, who sees fit to not even hide his racism anymore, not to forget since the election of the first African-American president, Fox News has gone above and beyond, To aid in spreading lies about President Obama, these lies can be found everywhere from health care reform to whether the president prefers Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Fox News is what it is. The hosts are who they are. They're still free to broadcast daily, but the hate and lies will no longer be tolerated. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting, I thought. Well,
1: anyway. They're right up there with Nazis, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. That's
0: interesting. Well, let's see if there's any more new union stuff. There was something you had last night that. What was that? I don't remember what it is. No. Oh, oh, here's something America's there. prison population. Yeah. And I think we yeah. should
1: support letting people out of prison. Yeah. Uh, 1972 was 300,000. 2014 was 2,300,000. This is great. What the hell going on there, guys? It's an industry.
0: Um, uh, A U.S. firm buys Manitoba Hemp Company for $133 million. A Manitoba Manitoba company that specializes in hemp products has been bought by a U.S. firm for $132.5 million. It's
1: getting popular. Uh, Monday, Compass Diversified Holdings announced this plan to buy Fresh Hemp Foods Limited, otherwise known as Manitoba Harvest Hemp Foods. The Compass diversified holdings by the small or middle market businesses in niche markets, according to the company's website. Manitoba Hemp Harvest Foods made about $38 million in revenue last year, a 24% increase from the previous year. And the deal will close in the next 45 days, according to Compass Diversified Holdings. So... Bought for 132.5 million. Wow, that must be significant growth potential for someone to buy that. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So let's see. Um, if corporations are people, how come five major Wall Street banks, including Citi and J.P. Morgan Chase, just plead? pled guilty to felony charges of rigging markets to enrich themselves as a the self-described cartel. And not a single person involved is going to jail. Why is that? Hmm. They should say more
0: about
1: that. But not Isn't it? This is an interesting article, too. It turns out that the, the boss, the Cartier boss of Cartier, um, or Cartier boss, says, thought of the poor rising up keeps him awake at night. And uh, he says, this is an interesting thing that he says. Uh, John Rupert, the multi-millionaire billionaire owner of luxury jewelry company Cartier, has admitted that to a group of his peers that he fears the poor will rise up and bring down the rich.
0: It happened in France.
1: And speaking, yeah, it happened everywhere. It's happening
0: everywhere. It, speaking, will happen. it, is, it is
1: happening everywhere already. Speaking at the Financial Times of this, this, Luxury Summit in Monaco, um, the fashion tycoon uh, told his fellow elite that he can't sleep at the thought of the social upheaval he thinks is imminent. According to Bloomberg, uh, Johann Rupert told the conference to bear in mind that when the poor rise up, the middle class won't want to buy luxury goods for fear of exposing their wealth. He said He had been reading about changes in elaborate labor technology as well as recent Oxfam figures suggesting the top 1% of the global population now owns more wealth than the other 99%. How is society going to cope with structural unemployment and the envy, hatred, and social welfare? He said, we are destroying the middle classes at this stage, and it will affect us. Unfair. So that's what keeps me awake at night. It's unfair.
0: So he thinks
1: it's unfair that people should think about rising up. No, no, it's unfair that he—he thinks it's unfair that they have so much money. Well, then start doing something about it. Yeah, I think so. I think they should definitely give back. You know, hire people, make you know hire people for fair wages. You know, things like that. Pay taxes.
0: Yeah. Senator and Bernie Sanders of Vermont wants to cry, require Congress to pay for any spending in the Pentagon's war fund. Sanders, who is seeking the Democratic presidential nomera- nomination is offering an amendment to the national
1: I can't that, defense. national defense something
0: is offering an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act. Authorization Act that will require that lawmakers offset spending in the overseas contingency operations fund by raising new revenues. Congress isn't currently required to pay for any spending through the OCO. The war fund also isn't subjected to the congressional mandated budget caps under the sequester. Sanders has long criticized Congress for not paying for wars, And a fact sheet from his office says that the Iraq and Afghanistan wars will put on the nation's credit card while the president cut taxes for millionaires and billionaires at the same time. The 2016 Contenders Amendment to the Defense Policy Bill comes after he called for a war tax earlier this year. Sanders wanted to include a new tax on millionaires to finance the country's wars as part of a budget resolution. Critics argue that the fund meant to pay for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and now financing operations against the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria has turned into a slush fund for the Pentagon. Sanders faces an uphill path in getting his amendment approved as part of the defense policy bill. Though so Democrats have taken aim at additional at an additional $38 billion in war funding, including in the defense policy bill. They fail to gain enough support to fence off the money until Congress reaches a deal on the budget caps under the sequester. Hmm.
1: Uh. <clears throat> hmm? well, that's interesting. Cole finds 80% of Republicans agree with Bernie Sanders. Wow. That's interesting. It
0: depends what
1: know. they agree with him on. Eighty percent of Republicans agree with him. <laughs> okay. Senator Bernie Sanders is often characterized by the media as an out-of-the-mainstream presidential candidate. But a new CBS New York Times poll reveals that 80% of Republicans agree with Sanders on the issue of getting money out of politics. 80% of Republicans believe that money has too much influence in the politics. 54% believe that most of the time candidates directly help those who give money to them. And 81%, 54%, that's it? 81% of Republicans thought that the campaign finance system needed fundamental changes. 45% were a complete rebuild. 36%. Uh, 64% are pessimistic that changes will be made uh, to the campaign finance system. 71% want to limit the amount that individuals can give to campaigns. 73 felt the super PAC spending should be limited by law, and 76% thought the super PAC should be required to disclose their donors. That's so true. Um, yeah, Americans, here. let's read that.
0: Americans are tired of political gossip, personal clacks, and ugly 30-second ads. They want candidates to engage in serious discussions about the very serious issues facing our country today. In my view, the candidates for president should engage in a series of debates beginning this summer. I asked the Democratic Party to work towards that goal this week, but they need to hear from activists like you if it's going to become a reality. So please add your name to my letter calling on the Democratic Party to start presidential debates this summer. Bernie has true appeal to all voters if people listen to him. I think his populist positions in the no-nonsense gruff and and to the point nature of how he talks will take him far in this election. I was doubtful that it was possible, but I think if people hear Bernie talk and listen to his ideas, we
1: might win. Okay. So we'll see. see. He has some pretty good ideas, I have to say that. You never know. This may be sick today. This really did. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie wins court victory over pension cuts. There's a lot there. to do that. I can't believe what happened here. Now, <sighs> New York... New,
0: New Jersey? Jersey's
1: highest court on Tuesday ruled that Governor Chris Christie can cut 1.6 billion from state pension funding, removing a hurdle for the Republican presidential hopeful's national ambitions and giving some temporary financial relief to the state. The, states, the stakes were high for Christie, who had uh, trailed in polls behind rivals such as Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, a fellow Republican. Christie came under fire for his handling of the sl- state's sluggish recovery as well as a scandal around the 2013 George Washington Bridge Closer, which saw a former ally plead guilty to federal charges. This will be as much as celebrating victory after a year and a half of bad headlines, said Tim Albert, a Republican strategist. The, um, the question is, will a lone victory be enough for, for Chris Christie to be able to parlay it into something bigger? Christie, who has not announced his candidacy for a Republican nomination to run for president, and 216, uh, but has started a political action committee said in a statement that uh <clears throat> decision was an important victory for taxpayers. Bill uh, Kru- Kirk a labor lawyer in Washington and, Christie, and a Christie supporter, huh. the decision would give donors renewed confidence that he's the serious candidate we all knew he was. This guy's a labor lawyer, all right, obviously for uh, for corporations. Yeah. Uh, to
0: prevent uh, individuals from yeah, getting yeah, more yeah, money. Yeah.
1: The state Supreme Court, in reversing a lower court ruling, said while it lamented the staggering loss of public trust resulting in broken promises, the pension payment was not a contractual obligation entitled to constitutional protection. Chris got, uh, Christie cut a state contribution to the pension system last year because of a renewal of revenue shortfall. The state's pension system has about $83 billion of unfunded liabilities and was funded at only about 44% in fiscal 2014. Public sector unions sued the administration, and in February, Superior Court uh, Judge Mary Jacobson decided with them, finding that a 2011 pension reform law signed by Christie created a contractual right that the state might make its contribution. Uh, the state appealed to New Jersey's highest court, which heard arguments in May. That the state must get its financial house in order is plain, wrote Justice um, Cheney Levecchia in the opinion. The need is compelling in respect for the state's ability to honor its compensation commitment to retired employees, but this court cannot resolve that need in place of the political branches. For um, New Jersey has seen its Credit rating downgraded nine times since Christie took office in 2010. Huh. Standard and Poor said that the state could be vulnerable to further downgrade if it does not solve its pension problem. Moody said, "Long term, the ruling reinforces the state's ongoing reliance on one-time budget solutions." Uh, uh, Philip Fisher, municipal research strategist at Bank of America Maryland, said the uh, the court essentially ruled that the uh the contribution was so large it violated the state's constitution debt uh limitation clause. It makes the heat takes the pension issue at least for a little while and allows the legislature and the unions to figure out a way to fund pensions consistent yeah. with the debt limitation in the Constitution. All parties are now expected to negotiate a comprehensive solution. Um and the Supreme Court in to reverse the lower court ruling by five votes to two, Justice Barry Alban, one of the dissenters, said that decision unfairly requires public workers to uphold their end of the law's bargain. And In other words, you're stuck. <coughs> and Hefty Rosenstein, the Jersey Director of the Communication Workers of America, the largest reun- union representing state workers, said they would have to try to change the Constitution. It is devastating to all public employees, retirees, taxpayers, and families. That uh, Wendell Steinhauer, president of the New Jersey Education Association, a teachers' union. Um, mm. Yeah, it's pretty sick. That's awful. I I think it's terrible. What they're doing.
0: Well, they took their money and
1: yeah,
0: they They didn't. They didn't uh, invest it wisely. No, and then, they uh, put yeah. it in firms that uh, took huge sure, amounts of sure, money for. Managing it, they they picked bad firms. They, you know, it's just awful what they did in New Jersey. Yeah. That's a shame. But anyway, that's really sad. Yeah. I think so what's going to happen to those people? I don't
1: know. I, I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen. I had to laugh, but I don't know if we mentioned it last night, but yes. But this one is even funnier. We read it. Only one person showed this time. Oh. Yesterday. It says, um, the recent campaign of it, Rick Santorum asked to keep his chin-up despite only one voter turning out to the event. You that's turnout? All turnout,
0: that's what you that call it? Santorum
1: decided to take the opportunity to launch. Oh, this eaten. is the
0: one we is read. Yeah, one? yeah.
1: Okay, because the last one said he, there was four guys, but I think no. three of them were Three of guys. them
0: were reporters.
1: Food arrived. About Three more people showed up. Those in attendance with the local Republican Party chair, chair, Peggy Toff, and Pastor Glenn Myers, and Santorum yeah, we tried book. to discuss gay marriage with them. Uh-huh. And he said, this is, where it's, this is where the left is saying, Here is what your belief system should be. Anyone who does not throw the line, you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're intolerant, and you will not be tolerated, Santorum said. But Santorum tried to play the low turnout as part of his plan. People don't understand one guy, and there said, I speak to you at the caucus, said Uh and he says that's maybe eight votes that we wouldn't otherwise get. Eight votes can get a big difference, as I know. So, that's
0: all right.
1: That's the same article Yeah, same one. Similar one. So, anyway, I think we're going to do a little music to break. Now we're going to get back into some environmental stuff. And okay. Stuff and other things. If that's okay with you, we do Yeah. All right. Let's do a little musical breaker. And let's do this. Let's talk about another one. Another one.
0: You know what the AFL-CIO is saying? They're, of course, um, writing a lot of articles about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and how that really doesn't help America or America's workers. And they also warn against Fast Track. And that, of course, is um, pushing something through without it being read, and they're doing protests against that they want people to sign things without reading them. And certainly the public's not allowed to read anything. We don't know what's in this Trans-Pacific Partnership because no one will print it. So you don't know. And Obama is just trying to push things through. He has no right to do that. And put one over on the American public because he owes corporations for being in office. And that's just quite frankly what it is. He wouldn't be there if he didn't trade off what's right for American people, for what's right for Americans. No, they're not even American. Let me rephrase it. He's traded what's right for the American people so that international corporations can even do more of what they feel like doing in this country, and you will have fewer rights as a citizen. That's
1: true. Unions are one of the last remaining checks on corporate power. So it's no surprise that corporate fact extreme special interests are attempting to effectively end unions as they, as, you know, as we know them. And this is from Sarita Gupta, Jobs of Justice. Uh, absolutely right, and I agree with that.
0: Um, unions are also talking about equal pay. Women still do not make what men make. That's another thing to be to care about. And also, they're supporting second chances for people with convictions. There are many people that have minor convictions on their record, and it still prevents them from getting good jobs. And they're highly qualified men and women, and they should get paid just as much as anybody else. And why create a subclass or a subculture in a country?
1: Yeah,
0: it's bad. Things are bad enough with the poor. You want uh, you want another subgroup under that. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And that's another thing corporations support. They don't want to pay you. So, you know, they're going to support not giving um, people a second chance. Uh, Ten reasons why you should gaff about overtime originally appeared on Kinja. Millions of workers, maybe even you, have been working overtime without even seeing a dime. That's not right. Thankfully, the, De- the Department of Labor is expected to announce a proposal soon to increase the salary threshold, fresh threshold for receiving overtime pay. In short, you sh- could be about to get a raise you might not have known you already should have had. Okay, here's why I definitely gasp about the new overtime rules. Let me just see. Number one, the only way you're getting overtime coverage right now is if you make a poverty level salary for a family of four that's less than twenty three thousand six hundred sixty dollars number two it's a good bet that you're not covered not only is the salary threshold way too low it also covers eleven percent of salary workers leaving eighty eight percent of the workforce to work long hours without compensation yeah the trick was it used to be to make somebody a manager Everybody was a manager, there were no employees, regular employees, because managers don't get paid overtime. They're considered, you know, oh, part of the executive level. Yeah. So that was that was a favorite trick and I'm sure that's going on. It's a good bet that you're not covered. Not only is the salary threshold way too low. Okay, I just said that. Number three. In nineteen seventy five was the last time the overtime salary threshold kept pace with inflation, AKE. the last year the bell-bottoms were in style. (laughs) Number four, have a sneaking suspicion you're missing out on some money. Well, spoiler alert, you probably are. If you are a salary employee earning more than $23,660 and you work more than 40 hours a week, your boss can easily deny you overtime pay, and essentially make you work for free. How about that? I didn't know that. Show us the money. Most Americans are in favor of paying employees for the extra hours they work each week. So that's that. Uh,
1: well, here's an interesting one.
0: Well, people are afraid of not having a job. That's why they work longer hours and they it don't get the paid for it, and them. they're threatening. Yeah.
1: This is uh, Jim Webb, even though I don't know where he's at with, with with his campaign, but uh Jim Webb could awaken a new cultural cycle in America.
0: Oh yeah. Interesting.
1: That'd be good. Yeah. Well, authentic authenticity awakens awakens the soul again. Like a call from the wild. It described our original nature and its extreme eventually finds us again every 70 years or so. It must otherwise we will die. There may be trigger events preceding such metamorphosis which turns us away from what we have somehow become. We turn away and repudiate it, uh, all of it, even in shame and embarrassment, virtually overnight, and return again to who we are. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Uh you somebody gets a bit a writer on this one. During South Carolina Senator Lindsey touting his long military experience on C-SPAN, this weekend in his account announcement that he will run for president um,
0: might have been such a triggering event. He does indeed have a long military experience. He was commissioned as a JAG officer in 1982 and served as a military prosecutor in Europe. Then he joined the South Carolina Air National Guard in 1989 and later the Air Force. According to reports, he described himself on his website as a veteran of Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm, but never deployed and never even left South Carolina. (laughs) Suddenly it comes to us, and the character crumbles, as in the classic comedy Galaxy Quest, a parody of Captain Kirk and Company, where the drunken commander has to be reminded that he is not a real commander but an actor, and that is not a real military uniform he is wearing, it's a costume. Then it all falls away. In such contrast, as followed later on C-SPAN the pleasant-natured, well-mannered Marine, former Secretary of State of Navy under Ronald Reagan, and former Virginia Senator Jim Webb, the only candidate in either party this time around to experience the actual pain and full thrust of military conflict suddenly blossoms. In his long C-SPAN interview, he was not on a motorcycle or wearing gang colors, and the death head apparently not a member of the Sons of Anarchy chapter of the Republican presidential wannabes at their annual weekend wiener Fest in Iowa. He was not quoting limp bizkit, beat a t-shirt for the macho effect, and not thank you playing the Jesus guitar. But his analysis of the military situation. Pacific today, was unsurpassed. Readers, commentators, and Lindsey Graham would do well to link up to his author's site and pursue some of his essays. My favorite is the Wall Street Journal op- op-ed, fully relevant to our own moment here 14 years after it was written, titled The Struggle for Mastery in Asia, which he quotes, Sunday the art of warfare and the introduction, draw them in with the prospect of gain, take them by confusion, use anger to throw them into disarray. Nor do we attack Hillary Clinton, Lindsey Graham, President Obama, anybody else. After there was a freshness and there was a freshness to his demeanor that underscored a consummate professionalism in his presentation that is unseen and unheard now. And for a very long time, in presidential candidates, before since 1992, in my opinion, that will bring him
1: forward. For me, in America, um, are about the experience that uh, for me, for we, for we in America
0: are about to experience the historic plate Teutonic crush between caricature and originality in which the establishment suddenly falls to dust in the night and the first signs rise in the presidential poll of Wisconsin Democrats over the weekend in which Vermont's venerable old socialist senator Bernie Sanders shocked the establishment when he came up with 41% of the vote to Hillary Clinton's 49. This is bad news for Jeb Bush as well as, as far as goes for Hillary, so goes Jeb. Like Sherlock Holmes and Mariotti together lock and embrace going over the
1: falls together. Get ready. This is a really long article. Oh, I guess so. Let's let's pull away from this. Uh, but it's go a go. good article. It's a good article. But uh, Jeb Wilkes could take away a cultural recycle in America. Whatever. It's from The Observer. Yeah. You can check Written out. by Bernie Quigley. You can Very check good. Out. But what what really bothered me here is the recent one Bush. You know, put a
0: real twister today. Huh.
1: Senators vote to repeal a clean water rule that protects millions of miles of streams. That makes what is wrong sense. with these
0: people?
1: They pay
0: off. What is wrong with these son? They people? are all paid off.
1: Congress congressional Republicans are one step closer to blocking Obama's administration attempt to clarify the EPA's regulatory powers under the Clean Water Act. On Wednesday, the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee voted eleven to nine to pass a bill that would effectively repeal the administration's recently announced regulations for water pollution. The vote was split cleanly along party lines with only Republicans supporting it. That's weird. The bill sponsored by uh, Senator John Barroso, uh, a Republican of Wyoming, would nullify the Water of the United States rule uh, released in late May. Such specific guidelines that the EPA must follow in rewriting the rule. As it stands, the rule seeks to clarify the bodies of water that are being regulated under the Water Clean Water Act. In its current form, the Waters of the United States rule, also known as the Clean Water Rule restores protections for navigable waters and their tributaries, and protects bodies of water that are located next to rivers and lakes. The EPA argues that the Clean Water Rule only protects waters that have historically been protected under the Clean Water Act. does not require a new permitting process for agriculture. It does not regulate most ditches and does not uh, regulate groundwater, shallow subsurface uh, water flows, or uh, tile drains. It does not make changes to current policies or irrigation or water transfers or apply to erosion in the field. And EPA said in the press statement, after the final rule was released, the war, clean water rule addresses the pollution and destruction of waterways, not land use or private property rights. And this goes on for a ways longer, too, but, um, but they're still trying to get that bill path um, blocked which is the you know allow clean waterways. Why the hell would they block that? You know what I mean? I have no idea. Why the hell would they block that? It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, anyway, I she makes a lot of sense. Uh I like what she's saying. But um, I don't ever see this I this is one of my things, this is one of my uh, platforms that I want—I want to have done free college education. Elizabeth Warren called on schools as well as federal and state governments to create a viable path for Americans to attend college debt-free in a speech Wednesday. The Democratic senator from Massachusetts has been one of the most prominent advocates of a proposal for progressive Democrats to allow students to graduate from public universities without any debt. Wednesday's speech offers a variety of policy suggestions for achieving that goal, including requiring colleges to have a clear financial stake in their students' success and debt levies, mandating minimum levels of state investment in public schools and establishing a partnership between federal and state government to fund public universities modeled after the way governments have combined resources to build and maintain interstate highways. Not every college needs to graduate every student debt-free, but every kid needs a debt-free option. A strong public university where it's possible to get a great education without taking on loads of debt, Warren said Wednesday at a panel on college affordability. According to prepared remarks, the panel was sponsored by the Shaker Institute and the American Federation of Teachers, and it's time to open the doors of opportunity wider and to invest in our future. Once somewhere else, once somewhat of a far fetched pipe dream, the idea of debt free college has gained traction in mainstream Democratic circles in recent months. Hillary Clinton, a Democratic front runner for president, has said America should try to move toward college as debt free as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At an Iowa campaign event, one of her challengers, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, introduced a bill last month that would allow students to attend public college without paying tuition. And more then 60 members of Congress co sponsored a resolution calling for debt free college. I agree with that 100%. The idea likely has passed, uh, has mass appeal for voters. Tuition even at public universities has uh, skyrocketed over the past several years, putting the idea of college degree without debt out of the reach of many aspiring students. Today, only 40 million Americans have student loans, totaling ending debt. Yeah. And seventy percent of
0: college students graduate with debt. That's horrible. Warren's and that makes you a slave yeah. to your corporation uh, uh, or anybody else who yeah, hires you. Yeah. You can't afford to do anything. No. You're locked in and you can't you can't even you can't protest a, for okay. what you need you to protest. You can't afford a
1: mortgage, you, you can't, can't afford a car, oh, you can't afford it's
0: energy. terrible, yeah. it's terrible. Warren's speech comes as lawmakers work to reauthorize the Higher Education Act, the law that governs federal financial aid programs before it expires at the end of the year. Some of the proposals—this is—I don't know when she discussed some of the proposals she discussed in the speech have bipartisan support, including simplifying the free application for federal financial aid forms and requiring colleges to have skin in the game when it comes to student loans. Others, however, are more contentious. Warren urged state governments to allow borrowers to re- refinance their student loans at lower interest rates. The Senate has proposed a bill asking the federal government to do this, which Republicans have blocked multiple times. That's because they can afford to pay cash for their kids. No,
1: that's Warren, because they you know, the universities and everybody else. Are, are, right, are, but are they can,
0: and they can afford to pay cash yeah. for their kids. They don't need loans. Warren also called on because they make such an enormous amount of money and they get so much money. Yeah. Warren also called on Congress to increase funding for Pell grants, a federal program that helps low income students pay for college earlier this year the house of republic- house of Repub- the House Republicans proposed freezing the maximum Pell grant at five thousand seven hundred and seventy five dollars per year for the next ten years a price that hardly pays for books. Uh-huh. In addition to laying out her plans for making debt-free college a reality, Warren also used the speech to deride the way the Department of Education has handled accusations of wrongdoing against student loan services in schools. The senator criticized the department for taking too long to intervene as evidence builds up that Corinthian colleges, once one of the largest for-profit college chains, was misleading students. The agency increased the avenues for loan forgiveness for Corinthian students earlier this week after pressure for Warren and others. Secretary Duncan is right to help these students and should do more, particularly since the students were defrauded while the Department of Education passed up one opportunity after another to stop Corinthian from cheating more students, she said in the speech. Well, they were getting kicked back probably. Or maybe they were doing junkets the way the rest of them do to hotels and getting all kinds of things. You know, it's
1: really unbelievable. Oh, here's an interesting one. Jeb Bush in 1995, unwed mothers should be publicly shamed. That's what he (laughs) said in 1995, uh, argued in his 1995 profiles and character. Public shaming would be an effective way to regulate the irresponsible behavior of unwedded mothers, behaving teen, misbehaving teenagers, welfare recipients, former Florida Governor Judge Bush argued in his 1995 book, Profiles in Character. In a uh, 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 chapter,
0: chapter called The Restoration yeah. of Shame, the likely 2016 presidential candidate made the case that restoring the art of public humiliation could help prevent pregnancies out of wedlock. Does he wants stoning too and beheading in the square? Well, since his family is and big supporters of Saudi Arabia. And this is what he says one of the reasons more young women are giving birth out of wedlock and more young men are walking away from their paternal obligations is that there is no longer a stigma attached to the behavior, no reason to feel shame. Many of these young women and young men look around and see their friends engage in the same irresponsible conduct. Their parents and neighbors have become ineffective at attaching some sense of ridicule to this behavior. There was a time when neighbors and communities went fraud on out-of-wedlock birth and when public condemnation
1: was enough of a stimulus for one to be careful. Which points to Nathaniel Hawthorne's 50, 1850 novel, The Scarlet Letter, in which the main character is forced to wear a large red A for adultery and are closed to punish her clothes, for having an extramarital affair that produced a child as an early model for his worldview. Infamous shotgun weddings and Nathaniel Hortham's Scarlet Letter are reminders that public condemnation of irresponsible sexual behavior has strong historical roots.
0: As Governor of Florida in 2001,
1: Bush had the opportunity
0: to test his theory on public shaming. He declined to veto a very controversial bill that required single mothers who did not know the identity of their fathers to publish their sexual histories in a newspaper before they could legally put their babies up for adoption. He later signed a repeal of the so-called Starlet Letter Law in 2003 after it was successfully challenged in court. Bush's ideas about public shame extended beyond unwed parents, he said American schools and welfare systems could use a healthy dose of shame as well. For many, it is more shameful to work than to take public assistance. That is how backward shame has become, he wrote, adding that the juvenile criminal justice system also seems to be lacking in humiliation. Oh, well,
1: huh. you know, I don't want to give him any more time because he's such a bore. You know? It's a horrible thing he is. Uh, uh, let's see uh, Steinbeck the former Miami Herald columnist told Huff Post that until today I was unaware that Governor Bush had cited my column on public shaming of juvenile criminal offenders in his 95 book my column made reference only to young offenders who often harbor a mistaken romance about jail and prison and might consider incarceration a perverse badge of honor. I suggested that sentencing them to fear frilly pink jumpsuits and performing a public duty, such as street sweeping in their own neighborhood, might serve as more of a deterrent than jail time. I might. I made no mention of using such a tactic with unwed mother teens, parent teens. unwed say, pregnant teens. Yeah, and uh, I would consider uh, such a policy utterly horrific. Pregnancy is not and should never be treated as a crime. Unwed girls in such circumstances are more likely experiencing considerable personal and psychological stress and anxiety that would only be exacerbated by shaming them publicly. Say nothing of what it would do to the unborn baby. Yeah, and that was uh, for me. Steinbeck wrote an article that. And
0: then my Hemingarrow.
1: That that was his face uh, quoted in his book. Yeah, Bush. that guy Anyway, well, it's time to go, folks. I want to thank everyone who joined us tonight. And <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, I don't think there's anything else that I want to hit. Huh. Uh, X wife hmm. Putin long dead says ex-wife. Huh. Uh, the mystery is swirling around Vladimir Putin it has just gotten a stranger, according to Putin's ex wife, the first former lady of Russia Putina, Putin. uh Putin has been long dead and she refused to cooperate with the power elite in this moose. So hmm. they're saying that that Putin is dead and the guy who's in charge is not really Putin. Hmm. Huh. That's all. Uh claims that Putin's assassination had been in the works for some time, and it was well plotted out. Tina also claims her and her daughter were threatened with death if they didn't play along. German newspaper uh, published a sensational interview of uh, First Lady of Russia. Wow. So she claims that her husband is dead.
0: My husband, unfortunately, is long dead. I have to admit it publicly, because I could no longer see what is happening on his behalf it's Terrible people. They did not. They did not stop at nothing. I'm afraid that now they will kill me and daughters as well. Our family was not exactly perfect. When I got married, I was in love with an intelligence officer, but that really was quite different. Putin was a vile, cruel man and a tyrant. He never considered me. Simply did not notice my existence. I needed, it. Okay. I needed it only for reference in the composition of family as mother for children. I find it hard to talk about it, but Putin beat me. He humiliated me, made fun of me. Life with him was torture. I tried to fight, not going to file for divorce. But this man did not have anything sacred to silence me. He handed me over to a psychiatric clinic. I went through all the cycles, circles of hell, narcotics, psychotropic. Substances and bullying. For a long time, I was locked up in prison. I never saw sunlight. I remember it still with horror. From young and a self-confident woman, I became a shadow. My will was broken. But that began after his death. All is beyond description. It was then a difficult period. I'm not sure. He, I'm sure he did not tell. I became even more withdrawn. A month before the death of the night, without warning brought daughters I do not even know where and then he was gone completely <coughs> at night we came home some of the people I knew someone saw for the first time I don't know excuse me they told me one thing if you want to live be silent
1: and so she did and it goes on and on and on so that she's that she's saying that um, that he's dead he's been dead for a long time and whoever it is is doing it is afraid. Foster. Hmm. Huh. I don't know. know either. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I want to thank everybody who joined us tonight, and we will talk to you tomorrow.